Green. Welcome to Inspire That Dawn. Chapter 8 of the source is titled, The Breath of Christ. Let's ask Jesus to help us to understand what he's telling us. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you will give us your breath of your spirit, that you will open up our understanding. Help us today, Lord, to be so blessed and draw near to you and to know you Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. The Breath of Christ The Father is the source of all things. Jesus said, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. John 5, 26 The Father has inherent life, and the Son has inherited life. The same kind of life is in both. That is divine life, an absolute spiritual life. That life is a holy life. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. John 4, 24. What kind of spirit would God be? A holy spirit. His divine life is holy. Notice how the spirit of prophecy continues the thought. Great Controversy, page 477. Through the merits of Christ, we have access to the throne of infinite power. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans eight thirty-two. The Father gave his Spirit without measure to his Son, and we also may partake of its fullness. The Father gave his Spirit to Jesus. They both have a Holy Spirit. We must take note just here that the Father and the Son each have their own Spirit, which is of the same kind. Each has a divine life, which has an individual personality. Every human has his or her own spirit. We readily recognize a person by their personality, their spirit. We've heard people say something like, why they have such a sweet spirit. That doesn't mean it's another person, does it? Ellen White, during the meeting at Stanley, Virginia, had an experience she records thus. It's recorded in first and one selected messages, page 145. I spoke in the afternoon at Stanley, Virginia, from John 17, 3. The Lord gave me much of his Holy Spirit. The house was full. So, the Lord Jesus gave her much of his Holy Spirit. Would that be his divine life? Evangelist, in page 453, she says this. After a short conversation, we all bowed in prayer, and the Lord breathed upon us his Holy Spirit. We felt the presence of God, and we greatly hope that this effort shall not be in vain. Does this remind us of a Bible text found in John 20, verse 22? And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus breathed on them his own breath, his own divine life. That is what he breathed on Ellen White. It was something that was part of himself. It was his own Holy Spirit. Desire of Ages, page 805, tells us, Before the disciples could fulfill their official duties in connection with the church, Christ breathed his Spirit upon them. He was committing to them a most sacred trust. And he desired to impress them with the fact that without the Holy Spirit, this work could not be accomplished. The Holy Spirit is a breath of spiritual life in the soul. I'll read that sentence again. The Holy Spirit is the breath of spiritual life in the soul. The impartation of the Spirit is the impartation of the life of Christ. It imbues the receiver with the attributes of Christ. I'm just going to read those sentences again. The Holy Spirit is the breath of spiritual life in the soul. The impartation of the Spirit is the impartation of the life of Christ. It imbues the receiver with the attributes of Christ. Spiritual life in the soul, the life of Christ, the attributes of Christ. The impartation of the Spirit is the impartation of the life of Christ. Have we been misreading these lines? I can tell you, brothers and sisters, I did all my life because I had the wrong mindset. So I saw it through the mindset that I was carrying on for myself, didn't I? Is it possible that orthodox lenses have made us see through the eyes of the counsels of Rome instead of God's eyes? One Selected Messages, page 41, says, Soon every possible effort will be made to discount and pervert the truth of the testimonies of God's Spirit. We must have in readiness the clear, straight messages that since 1846 have been coming to God's people. The General Conference Bulletin, dated October 1, 1899, page 12, tells us, Christ breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This is the great gift of heaven. Christ imparted to them through the Spirit his own sanctification. He imbued them with his power that they might win souls to the gospel. So the Spirit is his own sanctification, his power. Henceforth, Christ would live through their faculties and speak through their words. They were privileged to know that hereafter he and they were to be one. They must cherish his principles and be controlled by his spirit. They were no more, no longer to follow their own way, to speak their own words. The words they spoke were to proceed from a sanctified heart and fall from sanctified lips. No longer were they to live their own selfish life. Christ was to live in them and speak through them. Maybe that helps us to understand a little bit more about the Sabbath because it's a sign that it's God that sanctifies us. So I guess it's a sign that we receive of his spirit, his power, his sanctified heart, and speak his words. All right, reading on. Ellen White defines the Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed on his disciples. The great gift is his own sanctification. It is his power. Christ would live through their faculties and speak through their words. They would be controlled by his spirit. 
Christ was to work in them and speak through them. The greatest gift that God could give is Jesus. We read in Christ's object lessons on page 337, all who would advocate the principles of truth need to receive the heavenly oil of love. Under all circumstances, reproof should be spoken in love. When our words will reform but not exasperate, Christ by his Holy Spirit will supply the force and the power. This is his work. So we read, Christ by his Holy Spirit will supply the force and the power. This is his work. Hmm. I'm sorry, I can't remember what LS stands for, but it's page 439. Jesus will be with you. He will go before you by his Holy Spirit, preparing the way, and he will be your helper in every emergency. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, do you see Jesus? He will be your helper, his spirit in the inner man. Christ may dwell in your hearts, the love of Christ. Notice how Paul began this verse. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is only the Father and Son in Paul's statement. The Father is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is his Son. We read in Testimonies, Volume 6, page 115, The wails of a world's sorrow are heard all around us. Sin is pressing its shadow upon us, and our minds must be ready for every good word and work. We know that we have the presence of Jesus. The sweet influence of his Holy Spirit is teaching and guiding our thoughts, leading us to speak words that will cheer and brighten the pathway of others. The presence of Jesus is his Holy Spirit. 14 Manuscript, page 84. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ which is sent to all men to give them sufficiency, that through his grace we might be complete in him. The overwhelmingly good news we are beginning to realize in these various passages that when Jesus said, I am with you always, he meant himself. The spirit that we have with us is the spirit of Jesus, his own personal Holy Spirit. He will never forsake us. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you hear the song in Paul's heart? Christ lives in me. It is all about Christ. The Son of God lives in me. Paul says again in Colossians chapter 1, 26 through 27, Even the mystery, 
which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but is but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes, Jesus said it. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. John 14, verse 18. He is the comforter. He will come to us. Yes, he comes in another form. Not in his humanity. He comes in the Spirit, his own Holy Spirit. For God is Spirit, isn't he? 14 Manuscript Release, page 23. Cumbered with humanity, Christ could not be in every place personally. Therefore, it was altogether for their advantage that he should lead them, go to his Father, and send the Holy Spirit to be his successor on earth. The Holy Spirit is himself divested of the personality. Oh, excuse me. Himself divested of the personality of humanity and independent thereof. He would represent himself as present in all places by his Holy Spirit, as the omnipresent. And I want to take a moment and write that reference in my little book here. I have, I'm going to begin doing devotionals again. And the one I'm going to do is The Faith I Live By. Um, unfortunately, it's not an original, and it has been compiled by the Brethren, and in February of that year, they began misinterpreting Ellen White's words. In February, they titled that study, The Three Dignitaries of Heaven. And uh, they have added their own explanations, which change what she meant. So I want to write this. I'm going to be writing these uh, references here, 14 Manuscript Release 23. 23. So that when I get to February, I can look up and read correctly what she intended to be, say, to, to be said, rather than what they have. Oh, so that's going to be a challenge when I get there. All right. Okay, so the original statement is written by Ellen White. Christ is cumbered with humanity. The Holy Spirit is himself divested of humanity. So when Jesus, I'm just, I'm just going to add this. When God put his son, who was a spirit, into the human body, Michael was already the son of God in heaven prior to coming into the body of Mary as a baby. And he was cumbered that when that happened it cumbered him with humanity because he himself was the Holy Spirit when he became divested of humanity he went back to being himself Michael the Holy Spirit the Son of God who himself was a spirit so all right so back to reading the Holy Spirit is himself divested of humanity he would represent himself by his Holy Spirit in this way Christ is omnipresent Let's read 14 Manuscript, page 179. I'm going to write that one down as well. I guess I'll just make notes here. 14 Manuscript, release 179. 
to use when I get to that book. It is, okay, so quote, 14 Manuscript 179. It is not essential for you to know and be able to define just what the Holy Spirit is. Christ tells us that the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, and the Comforter is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Truth, which the Father shall send in my name. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, or another form of comfort, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. So now, after what we've read, we can think that possibly that other, another form of comfort or that other spirit of truth is Michael, the spirit, the son of God, the Holy Spirit, Michael, the son of God, that God would send to him. But that couldn't happen, we know, until Jesus went back to heaven to be glorified so that he could send his spirit to us, that Michael could come to us. Anyways, I'm going to continue on reading this, and I want you to think on your own and put this together. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another form of comfort, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. John 14, 16, and 17. This refers to the omnipresence of the Spirit of Christ called the Comforter. Otherwise, formerly maybe known as Michael? Question mark. Jesus is the truth, John 14, 6. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. He is the Spirit of truth. Jesus is omnipresent by his Spirit in this statement called the Spirit of Christ. Galatians 2, 20. Galatians 1, 27. And the entire New Testament reiterates the fundamental principle that Jesus is the only communication between heaven and earth. You can also see Patriarchs and Prophets. You may want to write these down. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 366. Desire of Ages, page 143. And I think that's the controversy, page 80. C-O-N, page 80. I'm just not certain. 1 Peter 1, verse 11, and so forth. So, reading on, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Okay, so I'm just going to ask a question here, because I'm wondering it. God the Father is one God, and his Son is the mediator, but Jesus, it's Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus. So he sent his son, the spirit, Michael, into the body of Mary to um, be cumbered by the humanity of her son, of her body, her flesh, and the one who was born was the man Christ Jesus, who became the mediator between God and men because he was fully God and fully man, and he therefore could be the daysman to go between, between divinity and humanity, right? Okay, reading on. John 17, 3. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, who we just read was the mediator, the only mediator. The Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy reveal only two beings known as deity, the Father who is God and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ who is Michael cumbered with humanity. 
the sun. God has never asked us to believe anything else. Okay. The next chapter, chapter 9. The infallible scriptures. That will be tomorrow morning. Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are here with me and myself as we, together, are learning these things and seeking truth. We want to know you so that we can worship you rightly according to the three angels' messages, the everlasting gospel, so that we can be part of the 144,000. We can be your children, for we know you as our Father, and Jesus is our everlasting Father as well. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes these things are hard to understand. We pray for you to help us and to accept those things that we don't understand, just the way those people who accept the Trinity without question, though they say it's a mystery and they can't understand it, Help us to accept what you really tell us. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Brothers and sisters, God bless you today. Now, today I'm going to begin uh, the little book, The Faith I Live By, and begin adding it daily for those who are looking for a morning meditational. That's what I started this, this uh, podcast for, and I want to start doing it again. I took a little break with that book by Stephen Haskell, and I feel like that it uh, was a huge break. And I really desire to get back to the morning meditation also. Tomorrow morning I'm going to offer that as an option, as well as this book that we're continuing to study, The Source. And I will see you in the morning.